the greatest games podcast episode 99 can you believe it that's just absolutely incredible thank you so much for all the support you've shown the show over the last few months it's been a ton of fun if you're new to the podcast we've had 98 previous episodes with high school basketball coaches college basketball coaches media members strength coaches directors of operation anybody you can think of that is involved with the game of basketball it's just been a ton of fun for chris and i these last few months we encourage you to go to thegreatestgames.podbean.com or subscribe on apple spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcast and go back and listen to some of those episodes with some of those coaches and folks that you know and maybe some folks that you don't know it's been a great learning experience we've heard a ton from our listeners about how valuable these episodes have been so it's just been a lot of fun to be able to do that but here episode 99 can't wait to get episode 100 out to you with the legendary coach george glimp here coming up in a couple of days that one is going to be absolutely epic and if you haven't done it already head on over to teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball to grow as a basketball coach coach collins has incredible content there and by subscribing there you help the show And check out Billy Kegler and the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Billy was one of our earlier guests. It started as his own podcast and is doing an absolutely incredible job with that podcast. So competitive podcast on wherever you get your podcast as well. But here comes episode 99 with the great Brandon Ross. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a high school coach, a college coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest. And Brian, you know, I always like to preview it in my intro. Sometimes we don't always have basketball coaches on, but we have people within the world of interscholastic athletics. And today is one of those days on episode 99, Wayne Gretzky episode number 99. There you go. So that is right. So we have had a uh, we've had strength coaches, we've had media members, we've had director of operations, uh, officials, had, uh, that's right, officials, gurus. That's right. That's right. So we we are always trying to just help coaches just just get a little bit better, give them a little bit of a, a different angle, maybe. And uh, well, today we are going to get a great angle. He is the current assistant principal, one of the assistant principals for Ridgeview High School in Columbia, South Carolina. He is the South Carolina, get this, Chris de Blasio, South Carolina Association of School Administrators Assistant Principal of the Year. He is Brandon Ross. Welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Welcome. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me today. I look forward to it. Excited about the conversation today. Brian, we've talked about having, you know, great assistant coaches when you're a head coach, but as a high school coach, uh, when you have great administration, that is invaluable. And we'll get into a lot of that today. Uh, Brandon, why don't you kind of just take us through your professional career? Um, I know, I don't, I don't know if you played basketball in high school. I think you, you ran some track, Brian said, and coached a little bit of track and just kind of take us through your professional uh, uh, resume and how you got to be the assistant principal of the millennium or whatever it is that, that award that Brian <laughs> talks about. 
Absolutely, Chris. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did play uh, sports in, in high school. I was an athlete, uh, basketball, cross country, track. I played golf one year. I played football as well. So I kind of uh, dipped in it all when I was in high school. After I left Oak Claire High School in Columbia, I went to the University of South Carolina. And of course, I didn't go there to be an educator. Uh, I went, I actually had some uh, interest in working for like the FBI. CIA, you know, some organization uh, like that. But when I graduated, I, I had a change of heart. I started working for an organization that helps students uh, go back to high school and get their GEDs or high school diplomas. Uh, most of the individuals that I work with um, were students that 18, between 18 and 25 years old that had previously dropped out of high school. And one day I just thought to myself, Chris, I said, how can I reach these kids before they get to my office? And then I had the thought about being a school counselor. So I went back to school, uh, went to South Carolina State University and earned my counselor education degree, which certified me as a school counselor. Um, while I was doing that, I kind of transitioned from that position into the public education uh, system at Westwood High School, where I was a career counselor and a coach as well, a basketball coach uh, during my time there. And then I got promoted to school counselor, went to Spring Valley High School in Columbia, and then transitioned into administration, and then became an assistant principal at Ridgeview High School, where I've been the last four years. So, Chris, he, he mentions his, his varied experience, and it's fascinating. You talk about having great administration. That's, that is the case at Ridgeview High School. Very fortunate from principal Dr. Brenda Mac Fosworth down to, to Mr. Ross, to all of our assistant principals. That is this assistant is Brian principal. angling for a raise, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, let's, let's just be <laughs> about that. He's doing a good job. He's yeah. doing a good job. <laughs> but it, but it's really fascinating to, as we, as so Mr. Ross oversees athletics at Ridgeview. Uh, and so when we have situations that, that happened that I don't know how to handle, which that happens quite a bit when, when things happen, I'll call him up. And it's fascinating that background, that, that, that FBI answer, I, I want to point to that. He is a wonderful, just a uh, information gatherer, gatherer of information. Um, and he's just got wonderful relationships with kids. So I want to really start there. Um, I know it's not a strategy, but just talk about, your relationship building, how you do it with kids, how you do it with coaches and teachers, district personnel, just talk about your relationship building and how important that is. Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, and it, it's always been a core component of the work that I do, um, Rose. Um, when I was a school counselor and I didn't know that I wanted to be a school administrator, I, I started kind of developing um, like my my personal pillars, right? And at the core of that were two things. It was relationship and engagement, right? So how do I continue to establish these relationships with everybody that I come in contact with? And how do I engage students in a way that really binds them to education and really wants them to pursue, you know, their education relentlessly, uh, ultimately? Um, I really never thought about the FBI part of what you said, Rosefield, but it it makes perfect sense. I never really thought of it that way. Um, and, you know, my school counseling background as well, you know, it's, it's very important to establish effective relationships with people and it, it helps you with understanding people uh, as well. Um, and it's just just a core component of what I what I truly believe uh, of what, what we all should you know hold dear to us as educators. Well, coach, I want to I call everybody coach. Sorry, um, <laughs> especially on this podcast, because we normally, but um, I. Uh, I'm going to brag a little bit about myself. I was, um, 
I was not a very good athlete. That's not the bragging part. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I participated in a lot of various extracurricular activities in high school. Uh, I was part of the yearbook committee. I wrote for the paper, did stuff for the TV station. I was in the plays and musicals. I participated in sports. Talk about the role that extracurricular activities and maybe more importantly, sports, since that's what we're focused on here, what role they play in the educational mission of the school, you know, as an extension of the classroom and an extension of the educational mission as a whole for kids. Yeah, great question. Great question. I think it really that really kind of bleeds into like what we believe as a school at Ridgeview High School. Uh, you will hear our model very often. We expect success in the four A's and those four A's are academics, arts, activities and athletics. Right. And it's through those areas that, you know, we hope that a kid niches them, themselves to one of those A's, which uh, further binds them to education and, and just allows them to do their very best because we're promoting something that they have a personal investment in. At Ridgeville, we also have a lot of different smaller learning communities and programs based and uh, that allows students to pursue whatever it is that they're passionate about as well. So I think having extracurriculars and those types uh, connect kids and allows them to see that their administration is, is vested in what they have going on. So you've been around athletics a long time. Now you're on the administrative side of things. Um, and we've got a lot of coaches, a lot of high school coaches, a lot of young college coaches that listen to this show. So help them out. What, from your perspective, what are some of the things – I'm not going to pigeonhole you to any of these questions here, but what are some of the things that you see coaches do that you really like, some things that you ah, I don't really like, which you – just helping them when, they, when they're trying to get jobs, trying to keep jobs, just to help, help them understand what it, what it is from the administrative side. Okay, so what are some things that I like that coaches doing some things that I don't? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then if I miss a part of that question, Rose, come back to me. And, and if I'm breaking up too, let me know. Um, let me know if I'm breaking up as well, guys. Um, I think one of the things that I like that coaches do is really be available and accessible uh, for, their, for their student athletes and just going above and beyond whatever that sport requires, right? So like Chris talked about, um, you know, just that intersectionality and just having uh, been involved in several different areas of the school. So playing sports and then doing musicals with, um, with the drama department, right? So when that coach shows up to that, that performance, right? And I think that says to that kid in that, that parent that wow like this this coach is really invested in my kid beyond the sport right and I think that's one of the things that means more than winning to me as an administrator right because when you do small things like that and kids know you care like they will never forget about it you know as Ridgeview uh Ridgeview Athletics truly believes that when um when kids leave Ridgeview High School they want the, we want kids to look back on that experience and liken it to one of the most uh, memorable uh, moments in their life, right? And I think moments like that beyond the athletic arena is really what makes what makes it special, right? Uh, some things that coaches do that I don't really like, I think um, making decisions without uh, talking to people who who they should probably talk to, like like Coach Rosefield. <laughs> 
um, you know, and just kind of stepping out on a limb and doing things that um, probably are not <laughs> are not uh, the best. Um, I think just making sure that they seek wise counsel from people like athletic administrators and their athletic director and direct reports. I think that would uh, help me a lot as an administrator who has to then deal with some of those things. Well, coach, coach, you will love me then. Um, <laughs> the other day last, maybe was Wednesday. Uh, I, I was there's not an issue that I was having. There was a, a subject I was going to broach with two of my players and before I did it, I texted a bunch of coaches that I have that are mentors to me. And I texted Brian before I even went to my athletic director, before I went to the kids. So in your, uh, as Brian said, in your FBI kind of background or wanted, or wanted to be in investigative services, I, I wanted to gather as much information as I could before I made the decision to do what I did. And, and I didn't let anyone's anyone's opinion say, Oh, you should do because Brian said you should do this or cause this other guy said you should do this. I just wanted to gather all the opinions before I made the decision. Cause ultimately it's on me. Right. And I, and I would love you. I would love you. And I think, <laughs> and that, that's how we work together as a team at, at Ridgeview as well. You know, if it's something that, you know, um, may impact other areas in the school, or may have huge implications. I know Rosefield has a, a team of athletic directors that he works with and a network of, you know, sports people like yourself, Chris, that he works with as well. And I think that's healthy because he can then come and say, hey, Ross, this is what I was thinking. You know, I talked to a group of people that, you know, um, with knowledge of situations similar to these and this is what they've done in the past. What do you think? And, you know, me, I'm, you know, that sounds great, you know, and then we can kind of go from from that angle when you take care of stuff on the front end like that it makes my job easy so rose does a good job with that so i appreciate having him as an ad well i, I appreciate that but i i think that that brings up a great point it, it's one of those things that i remember back in the day as a student manager of south carolina it's what can i do today to make the head coach's job easier and, and in education like for, for us, Dr. Max, she's, she's the head coach. So what can I do to keep things from having to get to you that would have to get to her? And for, for coaches, that's one of the things I've really never quite figured out how to do it um, is to get coaches to think like an administrator. And Chris, what you did, I, th I think is beautiful. You, you did the work ahead of time and then you can go to your AD, like you mentioned, and that's so valuable instead of, and it's, I think it's just a growth process, right? The, the young coaches come into me and say, I don't know what to do with this. Well, okay. Now it's, now I've got to help you figure it out, which that's fine. It's my job, but also how can I help you to grow to where you can figure it out and then bring some solution to me and run it by me. It's just, it's really fascinating to see it, but I like to think of it now as, as, as like I said, Dr. Max, she's the head coach. What can I do to make her life easier? You know, if it's sending out a tweet or whatever, okay, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I just, uh, I don't know. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I Rose. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. I got into education a little later. I had some family in education. My sister told me when I was getting in it, she said, listen, she said, I don't know anything about being a teacher. <laughs> she said, what I do know is if the principal isn't taking phone calls about you, that's a good thing. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. And I think what Rose said, um, Chris, was it was very vital. And, and he actually stole my point. Um, I think he said in the opener that we were going to uh, talk about some things that I wish coaches knew. And I wish coaches knew how my, their job intersects with my job. Right. Uh, so, 
getting coaches to really think critically and think like an administrator. Rose and I had a situation that we dealt with a few years ago um, with um, kids having to kind of travel travel a long distance from where they were to to back home you know and it wasn't it wasn't probably the safest thing for for those kids and to me it just makes sense why would you why would you have that happen why would you do that um and and it's just because they don't they don't necessarily understand all the implications as I do and as as Rose does so I, I you know I can't share everything obviously but you know, just getting them to really think through certain situations to keep it off away from the principal um, will help significantly. All right. Uh, vice principal, Rob, do they call you a vice? Why don't everyone call vice? Wait, you should, <laughs> that should be the new VP Ross. Um, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Let's do it. So Brian texted me earlier in the day that we were going to interview you. And I assume you're a not a bit younger. You're a bit younger than me, I think, just by going from your timeline of, of your career. Um, so uh, I grew up in the era of Michael Jordan, but I am not a Michael Jordan guy because I, I grew up a diehard Knicks fan. And I, I Michael Jordan ruined every spring of my life for about a 10-year period. Uh, but Brian tells me you're a LeBron guy. And I, and I think I've become a LeBron guy because the guy's ridiculous. Um He's <laughs> showing the phone right now. Listen, the guy's in his 18th season in the league, and he's still the best player, which is just – it's that's not even human what he does. Tell me about your favorite LeBron James game or your greatest LeBron James game. I actually have one, but I'll let you go first. My favorite LeBron James game. He's only had about a billion of them. So. Right, right. Um, I have to go back to – I have to go back to the 2016 uh, NBA Finals. I have to go back to uh, game. Uh, let me think. What game was that? I think him and Kyrie posted both posted 41 that game. He was averaging a, a triple double. I think that that whole series really just showcased like his commitment. You know, his love for the game, the level of excellence that he plays with, and just the belief that he knows that he can go out there every night and be the best guy, you know, and, and make it happen. Coming down, uh, being down 3-1, uh, coming back winning uh, three straight against the best regular season team in NBA history, uh, that critical play sequence where he had the block on Iguodala, um, that was – and, you know, just the emotions that he had at the end of that game. He came home, he made a promise to Cleveland, Ohio, that he was going to bring them a championship. And, uh, and he delivered that. And not only did he deliver that, but also taking them to the finals uh, for that, what, four-year stint that he, that he was back in Cleveland uh, as well. Um, yeah, that was – to win the NBA finals with that team, the team they beat when he was back in Cleveland, that was unreal. My game is uh, – we might, we might just wind up talking about LeBron James games, which is fine by me – was uh, I wasn't sure of the game. I just had to go back and look it up. It was game five of the NBA conference finals in 07, 08, when he scored the 29 of the last 30 points against the Detroit Pistons. Pistons. Yeah. I was watching that with Brett Carey, Brian, in Buffalo Wild Wings in downtown Columbia, South Carolina. We were standing at the bar watching that. And I mean, he just kept 
scoring and he would he, he would get the stop and the defensive rebound and then come down and make a play and score and it was just like uh, we were just in awe of every play he made down the stretch of that game yeah that that was definitely one um definitely one as well that was young lebron man before he i think before he even realized like his greatness you know and how it was going to transcend you know 18 years of play in the league um you know, it's just really been amazing what he's been able to do. But the thing about LeBron James, to me, Chris, it really goes beyond basketball, right? What he does for his community back home with the I Promise School, um, who he is as a father and who he is as a husband as well, that transcends anything that he would do uh, on, the, on the floor. So for uh, young men who grew up like myself in single-parent homes, like he is a model uh, for them to really look up to. Um, I want you to tell me another all-star player like LeBron James, a transcendent player like LeBron James, who has not had a blemish, you know, to his name or to his character in 18 years uh, of play in the in the NBA. I can't think of one on that level who who has, you know, the other two that I can think of had has a has, has a few blemishes. So, heck, even Bruce Springsteen got pulled over for drunk driving. Yeah, what happened? You know? <laughs> Come on, um, yeah, you talk about that, about what he does for kids and for education. And, you know, we've talked a little bit here tonight about, um, you know, the role of academic, the role of athletics plays. What about the role of the coaches in situations like that where coaches, and not just in basketball, where they do coach kids that maybe come from difficult backgrounds and single parent households or, or even, you know, listen, there are plenty of two parent households that aren't uh, all hunky dory and, and the role that coaches can have play in the role, not coaches, but educators, principals, counselors can have in those kids' lives. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really why I, I wanted to coach and be a support, even from my time at the university of South Carolina, coaching with the uh, rec leagues as well with Richland County. Uh, Chris, like uh, coaches play a huge role in the lives of kids. And I think that's something that some some realize, but I think uh, that's another thing, Rose, I would want them to know. I think some realize the importance of how their presence can make a difference and add value to a kid's life and really kind of keep them on track, keep them out of trouble and just give them, you know, opportunities. Um, we talk about the next level at Ridgeview, giving kids the opportunity to access that next level, whatever it is for them. Some, it may be going to play collegiate sports. Some of them, it might be, I want to stay on the, the straight and narrow. So let me participate in, in volleyball, football, basketball, tennis, track, cross country, whatever it, wh whatever it is. So I can stay away from the violence and the things, the negative things that can, you know, impact me, you know, outside of school. That's one thing that I would want uh, coaches to know. And just to know that um, I, when I was growing up, Chris, I had two coaches in rec league that were very opposites, right? One of them always sold into me. I was not very good when I first started playing. Uh, he always sold into me. He always encouraged me. He put me on the all-star team because he saw that I had potential. And then I had another coach who would get upset if I made a mistake in the game. And he would say things to, to me and other players like, oh, man, you're poo." Right. And, you know, he really could have destroyed me as a young, you know, as a young child who already didn't have a father in the household who was kind of in sports to find positive 
you know, role model figures. That's why my mother got me involved in sports. And he really could have destroyed me had Coach Greg, you know, earlier not already put some positive things in me to tell me that I can do it. I was capable. I'm able. So, you know, I think um, I think that's important for coaches to know what you say to a kid, you know, is, you know, can really add value to them or it could really destroy them. Yeah, I, I cringe sometimes when I have former kids come back. We had one on campus uh, last week. And, Coach, do you remember – he starts telling stories. Coach, do you remember when you – and I'm like, oh, no. what did I, I don't know what's about to come. Did I say something just off the wall or do something? And, and, and fortunately, it hasn't been anything that uh, is anything too egregious. But I think you're right, Brandon. It's, it's so – I've had I've had mentors in, in my past that uh, I feel like I'll tell them like ah, I'm not making much difference right now, and he's the guys have told me like you know honestly kids really these days are just looking for somebody that's not going to be a jerk to them and, and what a a great story from from you as 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 a youth for Coach Craig to instill that hey I can do it okay well I coach thinks I can do it so now I can do it you know and 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 we all have those coaches that have built us up and some that have torn us down and just to be able to instill that belief I, I think is is so huge and so my, my next question will somewhat of a little bit of a segue you know public education super busy it's hard to separate out it's it's really impossible to, to separate out family time i've heard you talk about integration bringing the family into the the school because we're we're there a lot it's it's a non-stop the phone's ringing emails are coming through but all of that going on how are you improving uh, i don't even like that that that's that word improving what are you doing to, for yourself on a daily basis to just maybe just to get a little bit better to take care of yourself? What are some of those practices that you have in your life? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, uh, Rose. And, you know, I was actually struggling with this, you know, not, not too long ago um, as I was moving up and, uh, and transitioning to where I am now, I asked our current superintendent a question. I said, Dr. Davis, like, as you move up, you know, into administration, assistant principal, principal, assistant superintendent, superintendent, how do you find time? How do you find that balance for your family? And what he said to me was, well, you know, I stopped seeking balance and I started seeking integration, right? And that's what you just alluded to, Rose. And he said, you have to find uh, ways to integrate your family into what's happening in your professional life, uh, you know, so that you can still have that quality time together. So it may be, you know, having dinner together in my office before a football game on Friday night, and then we walk out and we go to the football game, right? Or it may be going to, you know, if my wife likes the arts, it might be going to, you know, watch the theater perform, you know, on, on the weekend, knowing that I have to go support the kids and this is my purpose. So she's coming to the so into my purpose by being present and available with me. Um, what I had to do, Rose, especially in the, you know, in the era of COVID, I had to, um, I had to maximize my day, right? Because I'm a workout guy too. So it was hard for me to find times for my workouts in the evening. So what I decided to do was wake up a little bit earlier in the morning. So I wake up in the morning, I do my devotionals and I work out for 45 minutes to an hour um, before my day even starts, right? And it has been so beneficial for me. Um, I've been able to maximize my sleep in the evening. I've been able to come home and work on schoolwork, you know, because I'm still uh, growing in my in my professional practice and still trying to, um, you know, be Dr. Ross one day. Uh, so I get up and I work out and I do my devotionals in the morning just to kind of maximize my day. And it's improved my life significantly in doing that. So. 
Well, I avoid those issues, coach, because I don't have a wife or work out. <laughs> so right there, boom, cut all that. I got all that time now. I got... <laughs> uh-huh. Work smarter, not harder. That's what I say. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, what is, we like to wrap this up with uh, sometimes a fun question or philosophical type question. What is people that work have worked with you or people you've maybe had the chance to, to work with uh, in other professional environments, maybe at conferences and things like that. Uh, what's one word or phrase you want people to associate with Brandon Ross when they're done speaking with you, working with you, coming across you? Yeah, that's a good question. So let me think. One word that I would want people to describe. Word or phrase, yeah. Word or phrase. For me, people associate Doritos. That's (laughs) the one word or phrase they associate with me. So, what's yours, Rose? What's your one word, Rose? I I hope I I hope it's patient. I hope it's something like listening. I hope it's something like presence. Um, But it could be. I might, might want to ask some of my, my former players about some of those words, but that's that's what I hope they are, uh, things along those lines. Yeah, when, when I was a school counselor, Chris, I, um, I started this initiative because it was my first year. I was coming behind an excellent counselor, and I was worried that the students would not, would not accept me or, you know, um, grow close to me. So I started this initiative called Mr. Ross Cares. Uh, and it was really a way just to show the students that they have a, a school counselor that cares about them, right? Um, because a lot of times kids come to you with, you know, come to us as adults with their issues and we try to solve it and say, okay, you're good. And we just let them go on their way. But really like that follow through, you know, and, and just that, that, that level of care and concerns can really, you know, help move kids to you know where they're trying to grow to, so I think the one word I would say would be um, would be would be caring. You know, my hope is that as as people um, you know come across me and I cross paths with educators and and coaches and and student athletes that they they know that Mr. Ross cares about them. Well, I love that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna end with one final question for you, almost an elevator pitch. We talk about Ridgeview a lot on this podcast. I know our listeners are probably getting tired of me talking about Ridgeview. So I want to hear you talk about Ridgeview for the next. I'm not going to put you on the clock like you like to do, folks, but 30, 45, 60 seconds. What is so special about Ridgeview, Ridgeview Athletics? Why do you love it so much? Uh, Absolutely. And it's probably the easiest question of the night. So for me, Ridgeview is home. I came to Ridgeview four years ago. Um, you know, uh, a young administrator, aspiring assistant principal, and one day aspiring principal. And my first day on the job, I realized Ridgeview was home when I was uh, uh, gowned in 15 Ridgeview shirts. Uh, and on that day, I knew that it was going to be special and it was going to be a family. Uh, and ever since then, uh, the students have accepted me. The students accept each other. Our faculty and staff is top tier. Uh, we genuinely care about each other and we want to see each other grow and succeed. Uh, we want our students to be successful. We just rewrote our mission statement just a few years ago. Um, and it incorporates that expectation of, of success for each and every one of our students. We're a growing school in the growing community. In the last four years, we've grown from 1,400 students to 1,650 students. My time there uh, and, and we're, we're still growing. And I think that speaks to the work that we do and the commitment with which we do it. Uh, every single day. 
uh, at our school. Um, athletic programs are next level. And I think that's evident by the state championships that we've won over the course of the, the last four years. Um, Chris, when I got to Ridgeview, Ridgeview started winning state championships. We had three basketball state championships, a track state championship, and a weightlifting state championship in a time in a time being. And I brought one of my rings too, just so I can kind of showcase that. I know the <laughs> listeners won't be able to see it, but that's <laughs> that's number uh, three of three. This is last year's ring, and hopefully we can get two more this year, girls and boys basketball. So we're and a champion. That's, that's Mr. Ross angling for a raise. He's somehow <laughs> saying he's responsible for all these champions. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's a, a championship school. Uh, we have championship aspirations with our uh, our athletic programs and not just winning championships, but we want our students to be champion, the champion their, their own individual lives uh, as well. So I love it. It's home to me. And um, and I and I know that I have sixteen hundred and fifty students that would, would certainly say the same for them, too. Yeah, I love I love that answer. And you're right. It's, it's a special place. Fifteen years for me and. Uh, no place I'd rather be. And, um, you know, Ross, it, it's a, it's a pleasure to work with you. Um, I wanted to bring you on the show for a while. I know we've been talking about this, but this is going to help a lot of people and a lot of coaches. And, uh, like I said, I, I can talk about Ridgeview for, for, for hours on end, but we, we really appreciate you coming on and, and, and sharing a little bit with us tonight. It's been great. Absolutely. Anytime. And bring me back to talk about hoops one day. All right. We can, we can do that. We can do that. So we'll go ahead and wrap this one up for my co-host, Chris de Blasio. I'm Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Game.